Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs, and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, Kyle Livingston. Kyle, my man, what is happening in your world today? What is up, man? Excited to be on the show. Yeah, man. I'm excited to have you here, dude. You have an absolutely crazy story. (laughs) Um, You know, generally speaking, I like to just jump into the show and just kind of get into things. But I would love if you kind of gave us a little bit of context on your background because I was listening to you on on a show that you were a guest on recently and I heard you say that when you were 12 weeks old you got dropped off at a yard sale by your yeah. parents. I was like 
So I kind of want to start there, man. Good place to start, man. Yeah, dude. I was, uh, so I was actually born, um, six weeks premature. And so I spent the first six weeks of my life in an incubator. Uh, and I spent the next six weeks of my life in a, uh, in the care of my birth mom, who was a druggie and did not realize that I was actually allergic to, uh, dairy at the time as a, as a, you know, as an infant, she was feeding me dairy. And so I'm screaming and crying. And, uh, so she goes to this family that was originally going to adopt me that she backed out of the adoption last minute. And, um, you know, it was like kind of like a handshake adoption. It didn't go through the courts or anything. Um, and I could share how that came about in a bit, but then she pulled up, they were selling the stuff that was going to be my nursery. And she says, Hey, can you watch him? I have to go party. I haven't been able to party in six weeks. Like I need to go party. And so, um, she goes and parties and doesn't come back for a couple of days. And she rings him up and says, Hey, like. Uh, you can keep him. He's screaming for me. I can't get him to shut up. Just keep him and disappears. Mm. You know, I, I actually relate to that in many ways. I mean, not the same, but my, my mom would just drop us off wherever, go hit the road, be gone for days and weeks, even months at one point in my life, just gone in that life. So you know, I, I totally relate to that. I, I think, unfortunately, most people don't. So let's do, let's right. just be clear about that. Okay, so you're you're super young. Obviously, you're growing up. Now, were you in contact with your your mother at all during this time, or it's just like you're with these adopted family? You don't really know what's going on. You're separated from that. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know I was adopted until I was like seven or eight years old. You know, until I was old enough to actually comprehend, like, you know, I'm not part of the family. Like everybody in the family has dark hair. I'm a redhead. Like there's clearly something off here initially. And so they let me know early on, like, Hey, you look a lot different from us. Cause you're not actually like, you know, born from us. And, um, I, I didn't have any desire to like ch chat with my birth mom or anything. Um, and then I turned 18 years old, dude. And you know, I grew up in kind of the ghetto, um, and turned 18 years old, got a letter that my parents had, uh, kept in a safe since I was a child. And I get this letter and it's a, it's an infant, it's a baby picture of me. And then two, you know, young girls beside me and, a, uh, on the note, it was a signature and like, a uh, the names of the girls and, uh, a signature from one of their grandmas. And so did I go on MySpace at the time? I'm 18 years old. I go on MySpace and I message every person or every woman girl with this name around that age on MySpace. And lo and behold, like nine months later, I get a response from one of them and she's my sister. And so I met my sister on MySpace at 18 years old from a picture I got that was 18 years old. Man, that's wild. And I, well, really, and I would say kudos to your, your adopted family for being honest with you because yeah. there's, dude, I've talked to so many people on this show over the years, whether they're very famous entrepreneur or celebrity or, you know, whatever it is. And they're like, yeah, I didn't find out about X until I was 30 years old. And I'm like, so. You know, I, I think maybe that doesn't carry so much weight, not to put words in your mouth, but that would be my guess. Yeah. Like if I would have found out now, I think it would have fucked me up more than like knowing about it my whole life, you know? Like I would have questioned a lot of things that had happened up to this point if I'd have found out about it now. So kudos to them, man. I'm super thankful that they were candid and transparent of like, hey, you were adopted. Like it is what it is. Um, and I'm sure that was hard for them, you know, because it created, for me as a young child, it created this like, like, there were arguments I'd have with my mom, like, you're not my real mom. And like all this, you know, childish back then, but it's like, dude, she's the one that raised me. She's the one that took care of me. Granted, you know, good, bad, ugly, healthy, whatever. Like she's the one that took me in and raised me. Yeah. So, massive kudos to them.
Yeah, totally. I mean, my, my grandmother who raised me was not the best person on planet earth, but you know, she raised me and at least there was some semblance of stability. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, as I grew up, I was pretty from the whole thing growing up in the way I did. And so I had to, you know, go and do the work and heal and all that stuff. But there, there's those moments that happen to us in our childhood and they, they can make us or break us. Right. And, and I've, I feel this truly, and, and knowing a little bit about your backstory, I, I feel like it makes a lot of sense. The, the chaos of growing up in homes like that with parents like that, good, good or bad, right? Living in not the best environments builds resiliency, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. But there, there's people who, there, I think there's two sides of it. Actually, I know there's two sides of it. There's people who succumb to that and it entirely destroys them. And I'm not even going to say they play victims because like, dude, respect, I get it. Like I was in the gutter at one point in my life. So I, I know what that's like. And then on the other side of it, there are the, the people who have seemed to have found a way to navigate, who have seemed yeah. to have found a way to push through into success for whatever that means for them. I'm curious, are, is there moments that you think about or that you recall from childhood that were chaotic and you don't necessarily have to go to the details. They don't have to even be chaotic, but were there, were there moments that you recall where you're like this shaped who I am today? Dude. Yeah. A thousand percent. I mean, even in the house that I was, that I was raised in, right? Like um, all my siblings were older than me. Like my youngest or my closest sibling is, is 11 years older than I am. And um, out of the, the, the three siblings that lived in the home, they were all druggies. In and out of in and out of prison, in and out of jail, getting arrested, cops showing up, um, and I think one of the biggest things that shaped me was watching them, time, and realize that like if I just don't do that, then at least I have a chance. And so watching my brothers and my sister just dude just go through turmoil and like chaos and you know just the shit that they went through, the biggest thing for me was like watching them or watching them and learning from their mistakes and knowing not to do it. And like dude, I have stories and stories and stories on that. Um, but I would say as like a high level, that was the biggest thing. And being self-aware to know that like I can go that path or I could not go that path. And the choice was up to me. Mm. Where did that self-awareness come from? Because as I think about my childhood, my, my best friends and I, dude, we did all the things, all the drugs, all the stealing cars, breaking into houses. I mean, I, I didn't even graduate high school because of delinquency. And I watched my mother go and ruin her life with drugs and alcohol. Fam I literally have family in prison for life to today. My three childhood best friends had been murdered. And so, you know, I look at all of that and yet I was still in it, man. Like I was so disconnected. And so I'm curious, where did the self-awareness come from that you were able to make meaning of that? Because the only thing I thought in my head was like, you can do anything up to this level, but when you do this, this is like the breaking point. I had that same thought. And like, I still have those thoughts and I still have to break through those even today. And as I hit different levels of success in business and setbacks in business, like, dude, that, those, that still creeps in for me. It's like, oh, well, I come from here, so I shouldn't be good enough to do this. And those things still creep in. Um, but I, I think that I, I've actually never been asked this question. So I'm just going to kind of chew through it with you, man. Um, I think that for me, having all my siblings be a little older. I spent a lot of time like by myself, like playing with Legos, developing like just time alone. I spent a lot of time just alone. And, you know, growing up a redhead and in, in the area that I was in, like all these problems, like 
dude, I got made fun of a ton. And so I spent a lot of time alone, but what it did was it allowed me to like see people and see things and kind of observe versus be in the weeds. And dude, I grew up and I did all the, we'd steal radios out of cars. We did all the dumb too. Like, so I relate with you a lot there. Um, but I think it's really rooted in the fact of like, we grew up really poor and everything that I can remember doing from 12 years old until probably 30 was running away from not being poor. So I knew if I went down the mm. same path as my brothers, I would get the same my brothers got, which was living at my parents' house, living in apartments. Like if I went down that path, I would get that. And so if I chose something else, maybe just maybe there's that, you know, for me, it was 10K a month back then. If I could just maybe get to 10K a month, I could never have to worry about turning my shower on and water not coming out again. Mm. And I think that's, that's what I was running from. So maybe it wasn't even a self-awareness thing. It was just a desire of like, I don't want what they have. Man, that hits so home for me right now because I, that was really everything that I chased as a kid because it, it dawned on me one day. I was like, oh, the reason my life sucks, and obviously this isn't true, to capacity it is. Sure. The reason that my life sucks is because we're poor, because we have to take hot water baths from the sink that yeah. we borrowed water from neighbor's house, because we have government food, because I'm on food stamps, because every single time I'm in school, they got to punch the little blue card. So everybody knows I can't afford to pay for my, and I remember being like this at 19 years old, I'm going to go at 18 years old, I'm gonna go chase money. And I didn't have a marker of 10 grand. I wish I would because I would have made more money my first year, but I had a marker of $100,000 a year. And I was like, when I'm 21, that's the goal. And I, I did that and it didn't actually solve any problems, no. which was really <laughs> fascinating. Yes. And in fact, it, it pushed my brothers away because I did not like, dude, the biggest mistake, I don't think I've ever said this on the show. The biggest mistake I've ever made with the money that I made a, a million dollars by the time I was 26 is I never gave anybody because the only thing I thought, Kyle, I was like, I'm going to go get this to make sure I'm good because here's the bad side of resiliency through trauma. You learn that you have to be massively hyper independent and self-sufficient. Thousand percent. I agree with you a thousand percent, dude. It's, um, and I, I even alluded to that a moment ago. It was like I spent most of my child, my childhood just kind of being alone and being away. And it does, like, even as you grow up to be an adult, it, it messes with the wires in your brain. And it's like, I have to take care of me first. And by doing so, and especially chasing the dollar, you tend to forget about the other people around you. At least I did. And yeah, dude, I mean, it, it, I've cannibalized a marriage over it, I've cannibalized friendships over it, cannibalized family relationships over it. And, you know, it just, it's definitely not the ideal scenarios is chasing money all the time for sure. Yeah, it's not. And, you know, even that's a part of the work that I'm still doing in my, my own life is looking at it and, and now I'm, it's completely different, right? I mean, the polar opposite. I, I take care of my family as much as I can. I take yeah. care of my friends. I'm a giver first. Cause I, I realized like there was a point where I'm like, I'm driving a, $85,000 car. I've got the nicest clothes. I got the best condo in town. What the, f none of that stuff matters. Doesn't matter at all. Yeah, it, it doesn't dude. I remember, and you know, we're always still growing. We're always still learning. You know, we live in a, a decent, really nice house. Can't even say decent. Like compared to where I grew up, like we live in a baller house. <laughs> baller cars, right? 
but the the, the level like you, you start to it's like getting fat right like you just kind of slowly get there sometimes and you wake up one day and it's like i have all this cool and you're still upset you're still kind of bitter you're still a little frustrated and like dude i can go out and get my audi right now and go zip around like 17 year old version of me would not believe the life i live today mm. and it's like it's just that dynamic but it's we also kind of take it for granted 33 year old me is pissed that i'm not living a different life and it's like i have i have to find that balance even today of like dude i, I have it really well for where where especially for where i've came where i've come from but i have it really well overall what would you what would you reinforce into 17 year old you i'm i'm not asking the question what would you tell yourself cuz i yeah. think those questions are pointless I'm asking, what would you reinforce that you were doing at 17 years old that has led you down the path? Like, what were the positive aspects of the shifts in your life moving out of that circumstance and that environment that you believe were cornerstones in creating who you are today? I would say the biggest thing for me was to never let off the gas of self-development. Um. I got dropped into the world of self-development at 17 years old, actually, um, just trying to figure this whole world out. And um, there was a season in my life where the, the, the work on myself, I just stopped doing for like five years and significantly slowed down any momentum that I had in my life at that time. Um, so I would have told myself back then, like, hey, even when you don't want to work on yourself and deal with your trauma and deal with your and see how things are. You have to do that or it will just, it'll just cannibalize all the momentum you, you created up to whatever point that was. Why did you go to that answer? Um, I think because of the, from 17 to 24, I was hard into self-development. And that was the time where I saw the biggest leaps in my life. 25 or 24 to 27, 28. Um, I went through divorce. I stopped working on self-development. I got into drinking a lot. And I, I started creating these bad habits that cannibalized my life, whether it was like not reading a book or not digging into things or, or, or drinking too much or chasing women too much or whatever it was. Whereas if I would have stayed plugged into self-development and what I was rooted in, it would it'd be a constant reminder for me for what I'm actually living for and my potential in my life not just the season and feelings in the moment. And so I would say that that's that the four years where I didn't do it, I would have reinforced that at a young age to realize how important it actually was. Yeah, that's, that's really, really powerful. What, what did you realize? Actually, I'm going to ask you a different question. When I went through the beginning of this journey, like in depth, it, it started at 26. I was to say that I was unself-aware from zero to 26 would be a massive understatement because I looked at everything in life through these massively judgmental eyes. And again, that ties into that hyper-independence thing. I'm like, oh, if you're not at this level and you don't operate this way, and you don't look like this and you don't do this, I just, you're a loser. While simultaneously, I'm 350 pounds smoking two packs a day, right? So it's this weird irony, the dichotomy of growing up in, in a chaotic environment. And, and what happened was when I was 26, I decided when I saw an ad from Brendan Burchard, I was like, I'm going to see what this is, right? I'm going to step into it. I'm going to leverage it. And for me, the, the thing that even to this day, 
the very reason that I'm so deeply enmeshed and ingrained and self-developed that while I'm a speaker in this subject, while I write books on this, why I have this show is because I've come to realize that the moment you stop learning about who you are is the moment you start losing. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like what element of personal development for you is what brings you back? Because I think so many people get into it and they're like, oh, I'm going to do it and my life's going to be amazing. And it's like, it's not that your life won't, but that's not the thing. Right, right. Um, for me, I think the element that, that I, I think your question is like, what in that brings me back? Or is it like, what? yeah, 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 exactly. So for me, um, dude, it's realizing we're all. F- and so like listening to people like, like Ziegler and Robbins and like the, the classical part of, you know, self-development. Like they kind of come from a place of like, hey, we're all broken and you just got to think this way and, and operate in this way. And I think the, the feelings, the shifts, because like, dude, the six inches between my ears are the, is the most dangerous weapon I have for success or for total self-cannibalism. Like my brain, I have to take control of it and I have to create feelings in it because if I just let it run rampant, I'm, I turn into an ass. I end up hating my life and like, I don't like those feelings. And so I think the dopamine hit for me on the back end of going through and listening to all of the classics that I love and enjoy, like the dopamine I get on the other end and the emotions I get on the other end of that pulls out a different version of me. And it realizes like, I can be and win. And I don't have mm-hmm. to get into the thoughts of like, you come from the ghetto, you were left at a yard sale, you haven't done anything. You're like those thoughts start to go quiet when I'm in self-development. When I'm not, those thoughts are screaming at me, dude. Yeah, it's the the one thing that allows me to just put those thoughts away. And that's the thing that gets me back into it. It's like, okay, I can see straight now and I'm not getting bombarded by all these voices of my head that are just an old version of me trying to protect myself. Yeah. And you're brainwashing yourself. I mean, I think about this constantly. I even teach my clients, like I'll, I'll start sessions with them. of like, I'm about to brainwash you. That is what's happening <laughs> because you're, I, I swear, I wish I could remember who told me this. They go, well, you should get brainwashed because your brain is dirty. It's yeah. full. And, and I was like, yeah, that's so spot on. And for many people, especially when you come from environments, one of the things that I, I heard you say in this podcast where I was like, man, that's crazy. Like it, it really felt that way to me. Is when, when your mother came and sat down in your room after you had gotten done like mowing lawns for a yeah. weekend and she was like, you made more money than your dad makes. That was one of the most pivotal points in my entire life, dude. And I'll never forget it because, you know, I had spent two days mowing lawns, washing cars, hustling, grinding, came home, counting the money on the bed. And my dad, like growing up, my dad was the hardest working man I've ever known. He'd work a hundred hours a week at two different jobs, drive an hour and a half both ways to work. Like, dude, I, he just worked. That's all he did. That's all I knew my dad to do was the work. And to see that I could make as much money as my dad, as a 14 year old kid mowing lawns, I was like, I can't like, again, learning from other people's mistakes. Like I can't go the same path as my dad. Like if I do, I get the same life that he has. So I have to find something different. And that was when I started looking at like, well, what else is out there? And so by the time I was 18, I was like, 10K, 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 10K. And, um, but that moment where my mom sat down on my bed and told me that, I was like, this is broken and I need to figure out something different. And that's what kind of led me on the path to, entre- that's what started my path to entre- entrepreneurship, man. 
was the thing that was broken seeing that your dad was working that much for nothing? Basically, yeah. Because, and I didn't realize this till later on in life, but in the moment I realized it wasn't the hard work. It was the what work I was doing, even as a kid. But the only work I could do was manual labor. And so the harder I worked at manual labor, the more money I made, which created a paradigm for me later on in life is that like, dude, I spent, there was one year, I was 22 years old, where I was, I, I was working in construction, I was building cell phone towers, I had my own company, and I slept in my truck on the road working more than I slept in a hotel bed or my own bed. And so I had this work hard, work hard, work hard that ended up damaging me later on in life because that's not actually what got me there. And I realized that back then, but didn't live that throughout my life. What, what about that damaged you? couple of things took my like don't get me wrong working hard is mandatory right but for like, sure working your like fingers and grinding everything into the ground there are other things in life that you begin to just not have the capacity to facilitate like relationships right like dude, my, my first marriage i worked on the road and like didn't didn't actually facilitate a healthy marriage like i, I wasn't trying to be a good husband i was trying to make money and so i began chasing the dollar and so my health declined my relationships declined. There were opportunities that I, I couldn't, uh, couldn't capitalize on, whether it be through relationships or finances or business, because I was just working, you know, 12, 14, 15 hours a day, not caring about my health, not caring about my wife, not caring about my friends because I needed to work because I thought working was the thing that got me there. And then I woke up one day and I lost everything that I had. And I just spent the last three years working harder than I'd ever worked in my entire life. Did you resonate with that a lot? And what I'm wondering is if you thought the same thing that I did and what maybe many people do. I remember there was a point where, so I worked for corporate America. I'm, I'm in this lucky position, really by any stretch of the imagination, but I had earned it, right? There's always a little twinge of luck and success. Sure. And I'm making multiple six figures. I have no high school diploma, have no college education. Everybody around me is like, don't ever give this up because if you do, you'll never get this opportunity again. And so I, I let those seeds get planted. I believed it. I moved in, I, I just stayed in this role. And then I was like, nope, I hate this. I quit. I'm gonna go start my own business. Mm -hmm. And when I started my own business, it was massively a struggle. It was painful. It was uncomfortable. It cost me everything right? Because I was just chasing money. And what I'm getting to is I, I felt, and I still feel like in that time, not today, in that time, that if I chase that, at some point, I would hit a level of success that made me like myself. And I'm wondering if that's true. That's a hundred percent how I felt. Because there were times where I had a lot of money in the bank and I felt great. And I didn't have a lot of money in the bank. And I felt like total and I realized that my identity was attached to the work and the money and not who I was as a person. And dude, that just takes you on the wrong paths in a lot of areas. You approach relationships differently. You look at opportunities differently. And yeah, dude, I a thousand percent resonate with that. What's your identity today? Uh, so for me, man, like I'm, I'm a believer. So like I, I believe in God, I believe in Christ. And I think that for me, my identity is wrapped in like, how can I move the kingdom forward? What can I do for the kingdom? And I look at money as a fuel to move kingdom forward. 
And so my identity is wrapped in like, I have a bigger purpose. And for me, there's two things that I really push forward and like the things that I strive for. And it's like, it's more my why, but I kind of attach it into my identity even as like, dude, there are women and children today locked in cages being sold to the highest bidding pig in the room. It's like, my identity is like, I need to go save those people. And I know it takes resources to do it. And so my identity is like, how can I go get resources to get them out of those cages? One of the things that we do with Think Unbroken is we donate to Operation Underground Railroad, which Thank I'm you. sure you must be familiar with. And, and I do that, one, because I grew up in an environment where you saw children being hurt constantly. I'm one of those children. And two, because when you really recognize the evil of money, the evil of money, I, I don't think it's about building big buildings and I don't think it's about luxury cars. And I don't think, I don't think that's the evil of money. I think the evil of money is what people do with it to hurt other people. Yeah. And because like human hunting is real. Human trafficking is real. Yep. Child sex islands are real. Yep. And people go, I'm mad at the 1% because they can buy all the Starbucks they want. I'm like, you guys are looking at this totally backwards. Totally you're, backwards. you're missing the point entirely. Why is it that now? And what has even shifted for you in which you have become, I'm going to call you a servant leader for lack of a better way to phrase it. What, what brought that on? Because you're still successful. You're more successful than you were a decade ago. You're doing better in business. You have a, a great home. You got Audis. You got the wife. Everything seems to be on paper what you're looking for. And yet there's that side of you where like, oh, I, I've got to give more. Like, why? Because most people don't. Whether they're making 50 grand or 500 million, they're like, I'm not going to give. I'm going to get me first, especially when they come from backgrounds like us. And so you and I have this very interesting parallel track. Where I'm looking at this, I'm going, yep, we were here, we were here together, we were here together. And now on the other side of it, we're here together. And so my, my shift came because I just simply realized at rock bottom, when I was 50 grand in debt, borrowing money from my girlfriend to pay rent, it doesn't actually matter. That was for me. So I'm curious, what was the shift for you? I don't know if I can like nail down one single shift, man. Um, I've, I've always been a, a kind person, right? And once I really, like, once I started giving back and started actually like having how, here's where I think it came down to. Once I got to a place in life where I had more than I needed and I saw other people struggling and I started helping, like selfishly in the beginning, it was like, that feels good, right? Like I was able to help them. And then it kind of actually got a little like, I don't know, a little weird because it kind of went to my ego. It's like, well, I make such good money. I can go help people. Or I may, I had a really good month. I could go help this person. And, it, and it, it started feeding into my ego. And I had to take a step back at one point and realize like giving isn't about me. Like, sure, it makes me feel good. But giving to other people and helping other people, like that's what it's about. And I think if, for me, what comes up when you say this is Ed Milet says this. He says, when I get to heaven, and I see what the version of myself that God created me to be, I don't want to be a stranger to that person. And I don't want that strange, that person to be a stranger to me. And um, there's always been something inside of me that's like on the ego side of things, 
that feels like I can just do anything. Like if you tell me, or if I want to do something like I will go do it and I will figure it out and I will win. Um, and because I have that talent and that, that skill set, if you will, that I've developed over training my mind for a decade plus, because I have that skill set, I owe it to myself and to other people and to God to go and actually do the things that I'm placed here to be. And if I make it about me, I'm just playing too small. And the rewards at that level aren't big enough for what I want. Whereas if I make it about other people, like, dude, my goal is to be able to rescue and rehabilitate 30 women a year. It costs about $80,000. I think last time I looked, it was about $83,000 to rescue and rehabilitate a, a, a child uh, or a victim of sex trafficking. And it's like, if I just made this about me, I could do a couple hundred grand or a million bucks in my business. Like, that's awesome. But if I make it about those other people, now I can create something much larger. And not only can I help them, but now my clients, like their kids do. The way that I work in my business and I operate in business is like, my client's children will never have to know the trauma that you and I grew up with. And that's important to me. And so if I can take and work with 70 clients versus seven, and I can rescue 80 women instead of 30, like that just, that just feels good. Like that's what I'm here to do. And I have that skill set that I've developed that allows me to do it that most people don't have the opportunity to get, dude. You know, growing up, we talk about the resilience early on. Dude, most people can't get punched in the mouth over and over and over and over and over and over again and keep going. I can. And as much as it sucks, those were the traits that I were given. And most people just won't ever get those, dude. Yeah. It, it's first off, I, I hope that you're able to do 800 people a year. You know, I'm to, to me, that's why I love business and I love living in America, the greatest country on planet Earth, because you can do that. Right. And I, there's so many people who dismiss that and it, it bothers me, but we'll save that for another conversation. Um, I, I get into this, this really interesting thought process quite often about growing businesses and about being able to serve and what that means inherently for me. And you said something really important that I, I think most people don't understand. Running businesses Honestly, really anything, man, really anything that you do in life that matters, you're going to get punched in the face and knocked down again and again and yep. again and again. And the thing about getting back up is people go, yeah, you get knocked down, get back up. It's like, get back up and learn. Yeah. Get back up and learn. Most people just get back up. And then it's like, they're in the same relationship. They're in the same job. They're in the same fast food restaurant again. I'm, I'm guilty of all these things, right? And I, I look at that. I think of that constantly and it drives me crazy. Because I'm like, what is the point of resilience if you're not actually doing anything with it? And you mentioned something that I think is, is really, really important. And it's this idea that as you go through this journey, like you have to help people along. And that's what Think Unbroken is entirely. That's why we created it. That's what it's for. My mission is very simple. In generational trauma in my lifetime through education and information. That's why we do this. Point blank, period. There is no other reason, right? And, and every day that I think about the effort that it takes to do this, there is a, you got into that place about your why. And I have to remind myself why. And it's incredible to me that yours is the same as mine. It's because I do not want a child growing up in the world that I grew up in. Yeah. It's, it's awful. It's painful. It's disgusting. It's all of those things. And you have to be willing to step into truth. And I, I feel that when I, when I first started this, 
not even thinking I'm broken, but this journey of my life, this radical transformation now 12 years ago, almost it was looking at everything in front of me and going, I am tired of my own. Yeah, dude. How much of a role did that play in your life? And what were you tired of? For me, it's very seasonal, right? Because like all of us, I have patterns, I have habits, I have little monsters that show up for me. And um, it, it's different at every point. And so I would say the role that it played was typically I'd get to a place where I was comfortable and the would come pouring back in. And I would go through a what season. What does that mean? Um, like, let's say I got to a place where I was comfortable financially. Like I had some money in the bank, bills are paid for the next few months. And like, I get to that place financially and um, I get a little comfortable and the starts, whether it's, whether it's, you know, oh, I'm going to start drinking a little more or not working as much to, or not, not, not working as much, but like not working as focused as I should be or taking the time off where I shouldn't be. And um, just doing these little lazy patterns that show up and the addictive patterns that'll show up. And, um, and I start telling myself these stories as to why it's okay to stay here. And then an opportunity will pass me by because I didn't grow, grow large enough in my business to capture this opportunity. Or um, I lose a friendship because of shows up. Kind of, like for me, it kind of comes out in bitterness. Like I get a little bitter sometimes. And so when, when, the, when I get to a level of comfort for me, I tend to like rest on my laurels instead of keep going. Whether that's, you know, working or investing into relationships or whatever. The that shows up for me is like not being good enough or the mental patterns of like, you don't deserve that. Or like, that's impossible. And all these like false beliefs that tend to show up that like, I know where they come from and I know they're not even my beliefs, but they just still want to pull in. Um, it'll eventually come to a head to where I either have to break through the and break through like my negative thoughts and break through the things that are happening in my life. And typically at that point I've rested for so long or I've gotten my gotten distracted or gotten, um, we talked about like lenses earlier. I begin looking at through different lenses because of my upbringing or because of the season that I'm in or because of a fight I had with my wife. And that becomes, uh, it becomes like a poison for me. And it's typically right before the next level or the next place I'm, I'm supposed to be going. And it's like the thing that tries to keep me there. And so I either have to get so sick of it that I break through or when I get so sick of it, I can give up. And there was a season, you know, just, just recently last year, I mean, we had, there was a season last year in business where like, dude, we didn't think we'd make it. Like we got our freaking teeth kicked in. We dumped a bunch of money in ads and switched offers and all these things. Dude, we got our teeth kicked in for like four months straight. And when that happened, I even felt my identity like, oh, you're, you're not good enough to do this. You're not good enough to make this like starts coming back. And that starts showing up as like, dude, I'll go start drinking more. I'll go start smoking weed sometimes. And like the, the, the patterns start happening. And it's like, if I stay here, I will stay here forever. Or I can outgrow that mentally and try and move on to the next version of who I'm supposed to be in life. So I don't know if that answers your question well, but. I, I find myself at times when I'm deep against a wall where it's like, here I am, you need to break through or be consumed by it. 
I, dude, I swear to God, I feel like this has happened every single time. There's a pattern that, like you mentioned, shows up. Next thing you know, it's sex, drugs, rock and roll for seven days, mm -hmm. four days, um, whatever that is, right? And then I pause and I go, and sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's just, you know, I, I sit and then I go, man, I'm so mad at the world right now. Why can't I just figure this out? It's not always like I have to go destroy my life, right? <laughs> it's and in that what I 99% of the time come down to is I go, I'm scared of the next level because something yeah. in me from when I was four years old says you don't deserve to have that. And, and I think about, I love that you brought up my lap because I, I, I've seen him live many, many times and I've read his books. I listened to his show and he talks about this power of one more, mm -hmm. right? He's like, just do one more thing, one more phone call, one more interview, one more email sent, one more rep at the gym, one more mile, one more stare, right? Whatever that is. And, and for me, for so long, the only way I broke through things was just to do it anyway. That's what I think about this one more concept. It's like, just do it anyway. Do it when you're scared. Do it when you're afraid. Don't run because that discomfort for me, that discomfort that I need to stuff down with sex, drugs, rock and roll, right? All that. That is an identity that you're holding on to from 30 years ago. And so when you get there, where does the breakthrough actually come in for you? Like, what does that look like? When you're against this wall, here's the next level. It's like, all right, Kyle, like you're going to do this or not. How do you get through that? Because that's the place where people find themselves in 40 years on their deathbed going, I regret not doing it anyway. So I've never shared this. And this is what it typically looks like. It typically looks like me completely breaking down and crying like a little. Like that's typically what happens at some point. And I, I realized in that moment, like, if I stay here, and this is why for me, I had to create something bigger than me, because in those moments, I would just give up. Mm. It's not worth it. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm not doing it. Not worth it. I'll go back and get a job at McDonald's or something. I don't want to do it. Or when there's turmoil in a relationship, like, and I'm out, I don't want to do this. And then I realized, you know, I have a thing called a morning formula that I got from a mentor of mine where it's a document explaining who I want to become in the next five to 10 years. And anytime I get, and I try and read it every day, it doesn't always happen, but especially those moments where I'm just like, typically in tears, sobbing, weeping, feeling like my back is against the wall. The world is closing in on me. No one's here to help me. I realize like dude, no one's coming to save me. And yet here I am. And every day that I've ever had a breakdown, I've made it through it up to this point. And so there's no different in this breakdown or this back against the wall or this problem that I'm not able to make it through, especially with the help of God for me, because every day up to this point, regardless of how grim it looked, regardless of how dark the next step looked, I've always made it through, even if it was uncomfortable. And so if I'm in that position for me, what it'll look like is I'm typically, uh, uh, you know, one day freaking out crying. And then kind of the next day, I, I, I don't know, and maybe this is still some trauma that I got to deal through, but it's like, could be a like you're called for bigger. You're called for things that are above and beyond you. Like you think you have it hard. Think about the women and kid in cages in Africa or in India right now. You think you have it hard? 
little bit of perspective for me is what I try and bring in. And um, I'll read through that morning formula. And one of the lines in that morning formula is who I need to become. What are the character traits of the person in five years? And I'll realize like, I'm not caring to those character traits today. That's why I feel like this. Because if I was that person carrying those character traits, doing those things, I wouldn't feel like this. So getting back into doing the things that are not who I am today, but they are the things of the person I want to become. And then having some perspective of like, dude, your life's not that bad. Quit being a, you know? Yeah, no, I, I do know. And I, that hits hard. And today I was in the gym um, and I, I go to the gym, I try to go at least six times a week. And it's not always working out. Sometimes it's literally just sitting in the sauna, just sweating and it's like a meditation for me. And I'm in the sauna today. I'm thinking about, it's so funny you just said that because I was thinking about when I was 20, 20 years old. So I hadn't yet landed that job with that Fortune 10 company. I was working as a manager in a retail place making, I, I don't know, dude, this was 20 years ago. I'm probably making 12 bucks an hour or something, right? And my car got repoed. My car got repoed. And not only did my car get repoed, but that same week rent was due and I couldn't pay my rent. And also I didn't have enough money to buy food because I didn't get paid till the next week, right? Because of that, you know, that cycle, that two weeks. So everything just kind of collapsed on me. I was like, I'm like, I just need one more week. I need one more week. I need one more week. And, and then it was like, okay, cool. That happened. And I remembered being like, 12 years old, I lived by myself, literally I lived by myself in an abandoned house, stealing food from the big lots on the corner of 30th and Georgetown in Indianapolis, no water, no heat, no electricity. My mom was on a bender. I remember being seven years old, having an asthma attack so bad I coded in Kentucky. And like all these things were going through my head today. And it was like, why am I so scared of doesn't matter? Right. Like, yeah. And it's like, why am I scared? What is it? What is it that it is that's holding me back? Cause I'm at this point now in my life where there's another level I can dude, I can touch it. You know, I've spoken on some of the biggest stages in the world. Grant Cardone has invested in my business. I've, I, I know everyone in this industry and it's like the breakthrough that's about to happen is where I'm at right now. And I know it's coming, but the breakdown has to come first. Yep. And the more I think about this, I love that we've, we've gone here today. I believe that to have the breakthrough, you do have to have the breakdown. And Tim Story, who is an amazing mentor, if you don't know him, he's Oprah's coach, yeah. um, coached all the celebs. He's been on the show. He and I have been friends for a couple of years. And he talks about turning your setback to a comeback. And as we're having this conversation, Kyle, I'm just thinking about all of the people listening and I'm wondering what tool, what, if anything, because I, I love this idea of your, your morning and this document that you have created. I think a lot of people write a lot of down and they look at it, but I think that the reason that people stay stagnant and stuck is lack of execution. And so I'm going to give a piece of advice here and I want you to as well. And so my piece of advice is if you are having a breakdown to have your breakthrough, you need to take massive action that is incredibly uncomfortable by doing the thing that you know you need to do. Mm -hmm. And so Kyle, my question for you, what do people need to do if they're having a breakdown right now so that they can have a breakthrough? 
I think the first thing you said right there about massive action, that's the biggest thing. And I think there's a step before that because most people don't take massive action because they're terrified of something. Winning, losing, doesn't matter. They're terrified. Typically, the fear is the reason we are in that place of breaking down. I, I'm too afraid of what's going to the next level. I'm being pulled to it and I'm not ready. And I sit in the corner and I'm fearful and I'm frustrated. And one of the biggest tools that I've used to kind of break off that fear and realize and separate the fear because, dude, the version of you at 12 years old sitting in an abandoned house searching for food from Big Lots, you were probably fucked terrified. 100%. Terrified. And you couldn't. But I also didn't know better. Fair. But like you, you couldn't see past tomorrow. You're trying to get dinner. For I sure. Think a lot of people get stuck in that place and they're so afraid that they can't even see what's for dinner. They can't see the next, the next thing that they're going to get. So the tool that I've always used that I got from a mentor of mine is gather yourself. Don't sit, try and do this like while you're ugly crying, but write down on a piece of paper at the very top is like, what's, what's, the, what's the place you're going to? Where are you heading? What's, what's the next stage of your life? What do you want it to look like? What is it you're pursuing? And then the entire page is a list of things that can go wrong. Down to like, be as, be as real as possible. Like, is there a chance that if you move into this next season that you can be homeless living under a bridge in a box? Probably not. You probably have someone in your life that'll take you in. You probably have a couch you can sleep on. You'll always have a, like, so, but go down and be realistic of all of the worst case scenario that would happen. And when you get to the bottom of it, you realize, man, it's not as bad as I thought because we, we make up these projections mm. and stories in our brain that's so a thousand times worse than anything that's actual, re actual reality. You know, I have conversations with people that are looking to get into this next level of business. And it's like, they're talking about like losing their house and being homeless. I'm like, dude, you have the best network in the world. Like you would never be homeless. What do you mean? Like, that's a dumb, that's not even real. And you get to the bottom of this list. And you, this isn't as bad as I actually thought it was. And then I actually draw a line on the bottom and I sign the like a document. If I decide to move forward and actually pursue the breakthrough, I'll sign the, the, on the dotted line at the bottom and make that contract with myself that the goal at the top, if everything were to happen, it's still worth it. Yeah. And if it's not, then I probably should be going a different direction anyway. And I would imagine as you write that down, it's really starting to become true for you, whether or not it's something you actually want. Yeah, that, that's actually really good advice. I, I love the parlay of that. Get massive clarity, write it down, because if you write it down, you'll figure it out. And if you write it down, you figure it out, you make agreement with yourself, you won't be as scared and thus you will take action. Yeah, well, and you might even be as scared. But the thing is, is you've committed to yourself that it's worth it. And anytime that mm. self-doubt creeps in, I'll go back to that document and be like, dude, I signed this nine months ago and I told myself back then it was worth it. And I'm letting the emotional state freak me out too much. I'll just refer back to the logic. And I say, hey, I said it's worth it. And I'm going to do it afraid anyway. And that's yeah. where a lot of people get stuck. Is like, be afraid and just, just do it anyway. The, just do one more. Just take one more step. Live one yeah. more day. Step one more place forward. And learn how to control your emotions for God's sake. Please <laughs> learn how to control your emotions. So that's three parts, yep. right? Clarity, action, control your emotions. Because anything that you do in life is going to be hard. It's going to be scary. Anything that's worth doing, right? The second you get out of complacency because you've never done it before, you're going to be terrified. You just are. 
And so I think that that's a really, really practical framework that that Kyle has just given us to help create some massive change in our lives. My friend, this conversation has been unreal. So stoked to have you had you on today. I know that the Unbroken Nation just got a ton of value out of you. Before I ask you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, uh, best place to find me is on YouTube or on any of the uh, any of the the podcast platforms. The podcast called uh, it's called Project Fortify. Or if you find me on YouTube, it's just under Kyle Livingston. So Project Fortify on all the podcast platforms, YouTube, Kyle Livingston. Brilliant. And of course, we'll put the links in the show notes for the audience. So guys, go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. Look up Kyle's name, Kyle Livingston, for this episode. We'll put the links for that show in the notes, thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. Kyle, my friend, my last question for you. What does it mean to you to be unbroken? Unbroken to me is getting broken and having the resilience to get back up again. And when the next adversity arises, controlling your emotions enough and controlling how you feel enough to get back into, to pursue your, your dreams and, and actually chasing something that's worth it. Mm. Truth, brother. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. Make sure you leave a review if this brought you any value because then you play a role in helping change someone else's life. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review. And you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me 
and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.